Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. Wacky Wednesday here for you on this version where you don't know the name of this title that we are going to be doing here. It's our 100th episode, and we're going to be starting a new segment here with my good buddy, Brennan Panikar. How's it going, Brennan? Good, Craig. Good to be back on, and looking forward to uh, hopefully keeping this uh, semi-regular thing. And yeah. uh, we definitely need people to submit their name suggestions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're not going to get uh, Blue Jay McBody face or... <laughs> <laughs> something for this segment of the <laughs> Jaybird watching, but we are going to be trying to do this uh, every other Wednesday for the off season at least, uh, and I, we're hoping that you all, uh, you know, appreciate these this segment that Brennan and I are getting together here on, and you know, melding minds of uh, Blue Jays trust here. <laughs> but um, we'll see minds what happens. coming together. Yeah, absolutely. The good minds coming together. Rochester and Toronto, all in one. There you go. We got we're just covering both sides of the pond here of Lake Ontario as I'm in Rochester, New York, directly south of you guys and equally is cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I uh am not looking forward to Thursday of this week. It's supposed to be negative twenty one Celsius apparently. Yeah, and that's no not a good time for anybody. <laughs> that's like uh if you're Definitely. for some reason walking around, that's like if you happen to have a bottle of water with you, it's gonna be stuck to your face. Oh, God, yeah, and definitely not baseball weather. Definitely not. So let's jump right into that baseball weather thing here. Uh, unfortunately, the Blue Jays get to start their day off today, what could have been a uh, nice day as far as uh, what could have been for possible Blue Jays prospects jumping onto the 40-man roster. One Blue Jays prospect is going to be taking a 50-game setback um, as Griffin Conine is testing positive for more or less a stimulant that is usually an ADHD, ADHD treatment drug. Um, not going to be joining the team anytime soon. No. Weird, <laughs> too, because he definitely didn't uh, put up any sort of fight about it. and said he respected the minor league drug convention and treatment program, um, and he's not challenging anything, so perhaps he did what he did knowingly. Yeah, or at least knowingly enough that maybe it was like, oh, yeah, oops, I did that, you know, at least admitting the guilt for by, you know, happenstantially doing it or missing out on some of the steps that obviously could have made this a legal thing for him to be doing with no problem with the ADHD treatment through the minor league uh, baseball rules. But as of right now, whatever checkbox didn't get checked or he did it or whatever at this point, Unfortunately, going to be missing the beginning of the season, and he was probably a guy that was going to be starting in Lansing after a, uh, you know, nice start to his minor league career with the um, Vancouver Canadians last year. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he got up to New Hampshire by maybe mid-season, uh, and maybe even Buffalo towards the end of the season if he continued on breaking. I know he's still somewhat young, but he's a little bit more advanced than some of the other guys in the system, so it'll be interesting. Now he's definitely not getting up to Buffalo and. Maybe he'll have a outside shot at getting to New Hampshire at the end of the year. Yeah, and uh, worst case scenario, I don't see him being out of the 
Um, regardless of when he does get back into the swing of things, that 50 games is going to take a good chunk of his season, obviously. Minor league players usually play in around buck 20 games or something like that. So um, that's going to be a rough comeback for him to get that quick. But, you know, he's going to at least hit Dunedin, I would think, if he can show something really good off the bat like he did this season. Very talented individual and has a great stick. Obviously, major league pedigree in his bloodline, and it'll just be a matter of time, I think, with him. But, unfortunately, sour note to what was going into his second season with the club. Yeah, it's too bad. It's always it's always sucks to see guys have setbacks either, uh, due to injuries or uh, suspensions. Uh, but, you know what, hopefully he learned and will come back from it and uh, continue the trajectory he was on. I mean, he's got the good bloodlines, as he said, with... Uh, his dad being Jeff Yep, which is the Blue Jays' new motto, apparently, as minor league draft picks go. <laughs> hey, I'm okay with that. It seems like it's working so far with Roddy Jr. and the shot. Keep it going. Yeah, game on, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway, Brennan, we're going to talk. Um, Adam and I talked about this on Friday during just a regular hot topic, kind of like breaking news thing on uh Saturday with the Elesmus Diaz trade to the Houston Astros for a gentleman that is now officially on the Blue Jays 40-man roster, Trenton Thornton, or Trent Thornton. So uh, what do you think about that trade first thing, so, uh, with Diaz being gone at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think you'd probably agree they were trading from a position surplus, and that's never a bad thing if you can get somebody who may think, well, actually, MLB.com pipeline thought that he would get to the majors last year. You know, the Astros are stacked, so it's kind of hard to do that and not be absolutely signed. So I think there's a good chance of seeing Trent Thornton in some role um, in 2019, probably not right away, probably go to Buffalo to begin the year. And then uh, we'll probably see him as one of the first call-ups um, when the uh, season gets underway, if there's any injuries or if the bullpen needs uh, a fresh arm. And you know what? It's really good. They're really targeting guys with a lot of spin rate, and Thornton's, I believe, his breaking ball has some of the best spin rate around. So... It's uh, definitely pointing towards what the Blue Jays' philosophy is when they look at young guys. They want that spin on their breaking balls. Yeah, did I hear something about like 3,000 RPMs or something like that when I was looking around that's, on Twitter? It's insane. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I saw that exact same thing. That's crazy. That's uh, an my, incredible spin rate. My car cruises at 2,800. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you can spin so. it just like a car. Yeah, exactly. Better than my, you know, little six-banger Avenger. So. <laughs> uh, but as far as all that goes, um, he, I, I think it's a quality arm that they're adding to a, a position of weakness. Because worst-case scenario, he's going to end up being a nice bullpen arm for this season. If he isn't the fifth guy for the starting rotation or, you know, spot start or whatever it might be. Solid pitching pedigree for somebody that, you know, more or less, like you said, we're tra- trained from a position of strength and probably selling high on Lesmus Diaz even. Yeah, no, absolutely. He had a good enough season to fetch something, and for Houston, they definitely needed somebody as versatile as Diaz is can play around the uh, middle infield because they're probably losing Marwin Gonzalez. I know Diaz can't play as many positions as Gonzalez can, but they'll still need somebody to cover uh, the infield um, with Gonzalez likely being gone. Yeah, and um, that is... From all indications, everything I've heard exactly is Marlon, Marwin Gonzalez is gone. and you know The, the Astros are just not going to pay him to come back after, um, obviously, increasing his value over the past few years. So, well, just, Marwin yeah. Gonzalez's suitors are all 30 MLB teams. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely not position. coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
who's going to let him play the most and who's going to pay him the most money, I think, is where that full-on decision is going to end up going. And, and more power to him. He's played very, very well and obviously earned that role to being the even extreme Ben Zobris type. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be a lovely fit on the Blue Jays this year, but again, they have a bit of a still a bit of a surplus in middle infielder, so there really is no room for him here unless he's stuck him in the outfield. Exactly. So let's uh, before we dive into who missed the list, let's talk about who actually made the list here, man. Uh, do you want to do the honors? Yeah, sure. Let's uh, take a look. Obviously, you mentioned Trent Thornton, uh, and then the rest. Follow similar suit as Thornton. They're all right-handed pitchers. Jacob Wagaspak, who Jays got for uh, Aaron Loop. Hector Perez, who came over in the Roberto Osuna deal, along with Ken Giles and David Paulino. Uh, minor league pitcher of the year in Florida, Patrick Murphy, and right-handed pitcher Yenzi Diaz. Well, that the 40-man roster as of now, and as you made reference to, there are some notable omissions on there, isn't there? Yeah, and then I think the biggest note that we need to at least express is that those five guys fill out our 40-man roster. This is officially done, so this won't be a uh, Blue Jays Rule 5 pick year. Unless they decide to non-tender Solarte or Mark Leiter Jr. before... Which would be out of the realm of reality. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If they want to make a pick in the Rule 5 draft, then uh, Solarte or Leiter are gone, or non-tender at least. Yeah, and all that real uh, Solarte being, you know, obviously some way it would be probably the better of those two to hold on to. Mark Lyer Jr. I think is expendable with some of these young arms, especially these guys you we literally just called out on this list. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know what the interesting thing is? Somebody dropped this up on Twitter, and I want to give a shout-out. It seems as if with the additions um, that they've made to their 40-man roster, like Walgast Peck and Perez, uh, especially some guys who are a little bit higher up in the minor leagues, it is possible that you're seeing what the front office is kind of tipping their plans for this offseason. Maybe they are not going to go out and sign a Jaime Garcia-type pitcher to round up the rotation because Thornton or Pack or Perez or other guys, even on the 40-man roster right now, like David Paulino, Julian Merriweather, Thomas Pannone, all those guys, they have a lot of arms who could round out the rotation. So I'm, I'm taking... The additions of Wagas Pack and Perez to to signify to me that um, they are going to keep it internal and b- build out the rotation with uh, with the young arms and really see who's going to be around past 2019 for the Vlad Guerrero Jr. led core. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that that's exactly where this is going. Um, I think they're very happy with the minor league team and that they've had over the last few years, and they're just these are the guys that they wanted. So they're seeing them at the major league level. So unfortunately, this that means that this is probably going to be a rather uneventful off season. <laughs> we might have seen yeah. our biggest trade <laughs> for a lot yeah, of years. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're so as we mentioned in the last episode that we did a few weeks ago. They're just so like not stacked, but they're just so many guys who are ready for major league jobs at the major league level currently and in Buffalo. It's guys who could step in and have jobs. So. I don't think there's going to be a lot of action other than maybe a bullpen signing or two. Yeah, and I I imagine that's where the bane, like we were talking about, is going to be still at this point, even after looking at this list. It's going to be the dumpster dive minor league report or, uh, reporting uh, <laughs> players to uh, be able to come into spring training and hopefully win a job in our bullpen. 
because a lot of these, be, these guys all have options. So these guys don't have would, to come up to the big league club, but it's nice to know that these kind of pieces are in place to be able to possibly run into the major leagues and that the pipeline is that thick that you have to be putting these guys on because there's a lot of guys here that I would think are very intriguing options and they obviously didn't have a good, a big, uh, this is a hard decision for him. I mean, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I was one thing I wanted to say quickly in terms of guys who uh, be brought in at the end of spring training on invites. They touched base there, mm-hmm. kind of just randomly bringing up a side piece from the 40-man roster decisions today. Would it surprise you at all if they brought back John Axford and did the exact same thing they did this past year, bring him back if he wins a job at the spring training and flip him at the deadline? Yeah, it really wouldn't shock me, if, uh, especially with how much Axford was very vocal, how much he loved pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. I just don't see that as a stretch at all. And I think he's got and one you know, company in that same category that would love to come pitch uh, for a team that's young and exciting like this is going to be. Absolutely. And you know what? He lives in Hamilton during the offseason, so he's still around. Wouldn't surprise me if he's just there waiting for them to call him back and be like, yeah, come on back on another one-year deal or minor league deal, and uh, we'll bring you to the majors again. Bingo. So, out of the names, who uh, does anybody intrigue you out of those guys that did make the five-man roster as far as just pure stuff or somebody that you think could actually be very contributive this season? Yeah, well, you know, um, I think the first one, obviously, is Patrick Murphy. He's probably not going to be coming to the major leagues um, this season. Uh, he should be ready to go at double-A in 20, uh, uh, 2019. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, I believe he was the uh, four state pitcher of the, week, uh, of the year. I right. might be confusing that with somebody else. Yeah, there you go. So it seems like he figured things out. I know we were talking about that right before, um, right before we hopped on. He 152 innings last year at the 264 ERA. He gets ground balls like crazy at almost 50%. So Murphy's definitely the one guy. On the that was added to the 40-man roster that definitely would have gone in the Rule 5 draft if he wasn't. And oh. The only other one that intrigues me a lot is Walker's Pack because he was acquired and the front office went after him when they were uh, trading every move to the Phillies. So, you know what, maybe uh, I've seen a lot of people complaining about one of the omissions that we haven't gotten into yet uh, in favor of Walker's Pack, but maybe it isn't all that surprising they chose him. Yeah, well, don't worry, we'll get to that omission. <laughs> so, but um, as far as all the, those guys goes, um, I, I agree with you that Patrick Murphy is probably the most intriguing out of these names. Obviously, we've already tra- talked about Thornton a little bit, Wisepack being very good as well. Um, Murphy did win the Forest State uh, Pitcher of the Year Award, and I had the pleasure of interviewing him in spring training, and he is just a very talented young person, period. And he's just... I think he's finally put it all together. He had a nice, healthy season for a change. And he's going to be, I think, Ryan Brucky version 2.0. It, I wouldn't see, I don't see anything getting in his way running right through the next two levels between New Hampshire and Buffalo if he can do what he did last season. And that's very similar to what uh, Brucky did. He had that one good year. Where he started putting everything together. And then next thing you know, he steams roll through three levels, and now he's in the Toronto Blue Jays uniform. <laughs> and now he's not going anywhere. There's nothing wrong with getting ground balls at an almost 60% uh, rate. <laughs> so that is definitely very much like Ryan Baraki, being able to get the ground ball and keep the ball in the ballpark. And that is what I've seen from uh, Murphy and uh, actually getting the pleasure of seeing him pitch down in Dunedin this year. 
And um, like I said, just talking to him, he, he said you know, as long as he keeps the ball low, he's 100% confident in every, all of his abilities. So it's one of those things I think that he's just figured that part out of his game, and he took that next step last season. And he was pretty much playing out of his league at the you know for the majority of the season. Yeah, I was honestly shocked that he didn't get that call up to the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, but I think that was a lot because they had the formula right to run with a championship in New Hampshire. Let's not throw anything off, you know, kind of situation more than anything. But oh, he'll start there. They yeah. definitely will start in New definitely Hampshire in 2019, and he will probably be in Buffalo by uh, mid Yep, and. The one guy on here that probably most people don't have a ton of information on, I, me being the minor league guru as Ari Shapiro has deemed me, <laughs> I know Yesni Diaz pretty well. Um, this guy has literally lights out type stuff. And I think they were afraid that his tools were so good if they left him out that somebody was going to take him with no problem. This is a guy that could be one of the better pitchers in our minor league system if he can keep his control going. He just misses bats at like a record pace, and watching him blow guys away in uh, Lansing and in Dunedin this last year was very, very impressive. Well, just um, the one step that stands out to me, looking him up and, and doing more research on Diaz, he only allowed 113 hits in 147.1 innings between Lansing and the Florida State League this year. So he's doing something right, and he's only 22. So he's another one that definitely would have gone claimed because you know what, there is actually, even though people don't want to ad- admit it, Shapiro and Atkins have built a quite a talented farm system that they were going to have to do some tough decisions with I, this uh, 40-man roster. Yeah, I think Diaz right there is basically the encompassing point. You're protecting a guy that peaked out, two guys that peaked out in single A last year. <laughs> yeah, in Dunedin, single A plus, but usually you're not protecting guys that are that many steps from the majors <laughs> just to keep them out of the uh, ballpark here for other teams I think that says a lot you know it's one thing to protect guys like Hector Perez and Thornton that you and Wasback that you have acquired you knew, you went after those guys you should go after them and keep them in your system so absolutely it makes sense and, and you know and they were all acquired by the current front office I mean um, so uh, it makes total sense that they would want to keep Thornton Wasback and Perez around uh, especially because they're knocking on the doorsteps of an MLB call-up. And it is fascinating that Murphy and Diaz were kept, but you know what? They are obviously quite talented. And uh, in a year, maybe two, maybe three at most, we'll see why they decided to keep around in the 40 man. Yeah, and who knows, it could even be quicker depending on how everything shakes out here. So let's go into the, um, the first off, the notable omissions here. I'm just going to go through the list and we'll go line by line through some of these guys, I guess, or at least who we want to talk about. It's uh, Forrest Wall, who we just acquired as well. Travis Bergen, Jordan Romano is the one that everybody seems to be chit-chatting about. Corey Coping, eh, not too mixing about him. Um, Jackson McClelland, who is a very, very prestigious minor league you know, reliever at this point. From former first-round draft pick John Harris, and then former first-round draft pick Max Pentecost. So, pick one and start with it, Brandon. <laughs> Let's leave the Canadian Jordan Romano to the end because that's the one who everybody's talking about right now. Right. If there's one that would stand out to me as a somewhat of a bit of a surprise that could likely go from the organization, Travis Bergen is definitely near the top of my list, as is Jackson McClelland. I think both 
our only bullpen guy strictly, and we saw them kept five starting pitchers um, uh, on the 40-man. So maybe they hope that being a reliever uh, pretty much strictly will get them through in, in the system. But, I mean, Bergen had an under one ERA and 74 strikeouts um, and 56.2 innings last year at high A uh, and double A. So we split a season at both. Um, and then the other one, McClelland, can touch triple digits. But, you know, if he is able to put it together command-wise, if he does have a bit of a command problem, but he has back end of the bullpen type stuff. So hopefully there's enough with those two that will let them sneak by, but those two are probably top of my list of who would get claimed as of right now. Yeah, definitely those two. And um, I think the one with Bergen being a left-handed pitcher also speaks some word. Is it right now the Blue Jays, you know, left-handed reliever type thing is completely, you know, obsolescent basically at this point. You're talking Tim Mazo right now, right off the bat, is the only guy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a ballsy move. Um, I'm assuming they think they can get somebody to maybe get some left-handed pitchers out. and Or they just have some guys that, um, and this has happened over the years too, it doesn't matter if they're right-handed or left-handed throwing at them, they just know how to get both guys out on either side of the plate. Um, and there's plenty of guys on this Blue Jays uh system here that know how to miss bats. It wouldn't even be a stretch to even bring up somebody like Yasne Diaz and uh, Aaron Sanchez type of mold and letting them just blow away people in the back end of the bullpen until you can push them out as a starter. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So there's yeah, plenty I mean, of things it, to do with re- relief pitchers. It's worked in the past. Yeah, you might as well do it if major league ready. Exactly. So um, I'm going to, I think Forrest Wall is a uh, intriguing one that is being left out of this list. Once again, somebody else that the Blue Jays just went after and yet hung out the dry a little bit. Yeah, you know what? He has a nice combination of power and speed. He can steal bases, uh, hit for a decent amount of power, and he can get on base. Last year, he had a 3.43 OBP. Um, and yeah, they, they, uh, the organization uh, went out and acquired him in the San Juan O trade. I, wa- I just wonder... The reason why he's unprotected is because of how many outfielders there are just knocking on the doorstep uh, of a major league job, like Anthony Alford. And you know what? They're still keeping around Dalton Pompey as of now. So perhaps they think maybe somehow he could still be there. And then you got other guys like Jonathan Davis, Billy McKinney, George Smith Jr. With all the outfield depth that they do have that is so close to major league ready, even though Wall is intriguing, I, I guess I'm not too surprised that he was left off of the 40-man roster. Uh, and he only got to double-A last year, too, so he's still a few steps away, which could prevent teams from wanting to take a flyer on him in the Rule 5. Yeah, and we'll get into some of those guys that we were surprised that got still left on the uh, 40-man roster here in a minute, the Pompeys of the world and whatnot, um, or at least for our arguing point probably in the uh, clubhouse <laughs> for where you go with this in the front <laughs> office. Um so Forrest Wall, like you said, presents a, um, and funny enough, sadly enough, he didn't get his birthday present uh, today for being added to the Blue Jays 40-man roster. Is his tw- uh, 23rd birthday today. <laughs> so happy birthday, Forrest. <laughs> happy birthday. You're not on the 40-man. Yeah, but don't worry. We'll make sure you have a job somewhere. And with his playing, he's not going to have a problem going somewhere. And a uh, very talented individual, and I can see why the Blue Jays went after him. Once joining the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, uh, plays 35 games with him, two, uh, 271 batting average, 13 RBIs, and pretty solid. You know, 
And it's one of those guys, like you said, if maybe Pompey or somebody wasn't around, you might definitely be grabbing somebody like Wall to be able to join on that 40-man roster. Um, some of the guys I'm not surprised got left off. They got Corey Coping. Um, okay, yep, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> um, yeah, he was added to the club, but um, as far as it goes, like he, he is the pure reliever guy, I think. I don't think he's going to keep being a starting pitcher on any level, um, especially once he gets no. on the majors. Um, but then there's a, two more guys here that I wouldn't be shocked if they did move, and it's because we have a sniper amongst other Blue Jays man, or, uh, Major League managers that unfortunately knows these guys too really well. And we have been air at bird watching, have been able to, unable to find any proof that Alex Anthopoulos has his 40-man roster completely fold up at this point, but Max Pentecost (laughs) and John Harris are also still lingering. Yeah, well, here's one thing, too. The Braves just lost Kurt Suzuki to the Washington Nationals, so there's a uh, backup catcher spot that's ready to go in Atlanta for Max Pentecost Mm -hmm. should Anthropolis want to make that move. And, yeah, Harris was selected by him, too. And at this point, it would probably be more of a project to see if you can get him right. But, uh... He, he has all the stuff to, to, to figure it out and, and be a somewhat decent uh, starting uh, rotation arm. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last night when we were goofing around, just uh, throwing around ideas for the show. I made the goof that um, John Harris is everything of an amazing pitcher wrapped with just enough, oh, my God, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that... Um, it just shows those nice flashes that he's going to be something special, and then all of a sudden the hamster falls off the wheel. Um, so it, it'd be amazing to see him put it all together. And I honestly think he's going to. It's just a matter of time. Worst-case scenario, he's always been good for two or three innings. I really think he could be easily a Scott Downs type, You know, somebody that just comes into the ball game, eats up some innings, here you go, you know, go from it like that. But... He always knows how to get people out for at least two or three innings in a row, it seems like, every start. But he always has that one seemingly mixed in there. It's a little rough. Um, Max Pentecost, though. I, I've been making the goof for a couple years now. His bat is Major League ready. It's getting him on the field in whatever position you want to put him is a problem. So after last year, finally plays catcher every other day. Now you got something to work with. Oh, yeah. As long as you're already able to keep him on the field, he can definitely, he could definitely be a contributor at the major league level. But I mean, he's 26. He's so far along, and a whole, I, his injury history could scare people away. But if, if there is that one organization that would take a long, hard look at selecting him, it would be Anthopoulos' Braves, especially with Suzuki not being on their roster anymore and needing a backup catcher. And um, AA being the only one I would think, unless somebody's really, really diving into the metrics on uh, Max Pentecost, uh, his his minor league numbers for last year don't shock the world. 89 games, bats 253, 10 home home runs and 52 RBIs. Okay, yeah, that's good. Don't get me wrong. But if you really dive into those numbers, uh, which I did, sorry. (laughs) Um, Basically, from the month of July... On was the real part of Max Pentecost's season. And I was goofing around on the show the other day. The month of July, there was only seven games where he didn't record a hit. The month of August, there was 
Same thing. Only... S no, wait, it's actually even less. Three games in the month of August where he didn't record it. <laughs> so, that is a very split season for him. You know, yeah. tons, of, tons of stuff on the back end where he was just more or less carrying the offense after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had left. Obviously, Kevin Biggio had even at that point regressed to a, you know, I'm going to say earthly number of 280 batting average with tons of RBIs. <laughs> <laughs> so, where at the beginning of that season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio were doing nothing but just onslaught the uh, Eastern League hitters, or pitchers, I mean. So, Pentecost picked up a slack, and that's the reason they had a championship team. And those are, that most of those RBIs and numbers like that were once he finally got comfortable catching and was able to focus back on hitting again. Well, I mean, he, in his last 39 games, that's just what you're saying, the slash line was 314, 327, 513. So he definitely figured out something. Maybe it's just being able to stay on the field finally for an extended period of time that did the trick. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if somebody views him as being able to stick on a major league roster. And if, if somebody claims him and he doesn't, then you get him back. I really think we should be on the phone with AA right now just saying, hey, Josh Tolley, Josh Tolley, Josh Tolley, Josh Tolley. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Martin, Russell Martin. <laughs> yeah, take, take Russell take Martin. <laughs> we just want to keep Max. Just don't touch him. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, my other thing about Max, um, last season, before he got into catching this season more often, obviously, um, he was playing a split role between first base and DH with the Lansing Lugnuts and the Dineen Blue Jays. Outside of Rowdy Telez and Justin Smoke, first base is pretty thin in our organization. So that was yeah, another bat that you could put on that first base. Going to need the depth that we can get at first base. So, And that's another reason why they're not going to trade Justin Smoke this offseason, because there's nobody else after Smoke and Telez. So uh, Smoke isn't going anywhere. Yeah, unless you're going to all of a sudden let Russell Martin be a really short first baseman. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, good work. You never know. You never know. I've seen work. I've seen weirder as baseball. <laughs> so hey, if Kendrick Morales can look all right at first base from time to time, then Russell Martin can definitely look better than all right. Yeah, it's the athletic ability, and uh, nothing against Kendrick Morales, but you are a hitter. <laughs> yeah, strictly. Uh, so and um. I, I just don't. The other option is the younger Solarte, but I really just don't. I don't think he's coming back at this point. Non-tendering him or not no. at this point. I'd be. I don't. I don't know. Amazingly shocked if he comes back. So he fell so far off a cliff after April and a bit of May last year that he was a low replacement level. I would be very surprised if Solarte is back next year. Yep. So last thing before we wrap this whole thing up, I want to talk about how are some of these guys actually on the roster still? There's a few interesting names that are outside the, uh, I'm going to quote on, call it up the new core management of the Blue Jays' box, which is Dalton Pompey's, Dwight Smith Jr.'s, Richard Urania's even maybe, <laughs> you know, some of those guys. Or even if we get into Julian Merriweather's on the, 40-man roster. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, just looking at it right now. Um, but there's some names there that you'd be shocked to see, I think. And uh, I was surprised, honestly, that this front office had the balls to keep Dalton Pompey on the 40-man roster when he's not really their guy. And a lot are thinking he's past his shelf life when he can't stay healthy. Yeah. And you know what? 
there are a lot of other guys who just said surprising to see so long here. I mean, I'm going through right now, and it wouldn't at all surprise me to see Sam Gaviglio, Mark Lanier Jr., uh, who else is on here? Luke Maley, potentially, depending on what they do with the catcher spot. Uh, Solarte, Urania, uh, and, yeah, Pape are those five main guys who could be moved, non-tenders or whatever, to make more room on the 40-man roster. There are some interesting decisions, especially because a lot of those guys are the previous regime's guys, not Shapiro and Atkins. And some of those guys, the decisions might be made up for them in spring training. Uh, Pompey's out of options. I want to say Dwight Smith Jr.'s got to be getting close to. This might be his last. Um, obviously, the you know Mark Lyer Jr. is not me as a you know move-in guy. Uh, but there's some some of those guys not that don't have options. They're just going to be held out and left out to dry, or they're going to have to trade them before spring training's over. Um, and then there's always the wonderful Troy Tulowinski talk that he's probably just going to be back on the 60-man DL in like a week, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that last interview didn't instill any uh, belief for me as much as I love Troy Tulowinski. <laughs> be nice to see him come back and at least be an above-replacement-level player. I'm not asking for much. I just want one win, one F4, maybe one and a half, and I'll be fine with that. Just any yeah. value you can extract from Tulo, I'll be fine with yeah, because the dugout intangibles would be off the chart if you're already getting a one and a half war out of them. So, especially with all the kids. I would, man, that seems like an extreme best case scenario at this yeah. point, unfortunately. Unfortunately, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they'll, he'll prove our crystal ball that we're looking in here, Ron, and spike it on the ground. But, um, I and in all reality, is Kendris Morales even going to start the team season with the team? He's more or less a never... solid hitter plus a really good mentor to Loris Gurriel Jr. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be here with Gurriel Jr. I still am convinced to this day that it took having to sign Kendrys Morales when they did to get Loris Gurriel in the system as well because they're both represented by the same agents. So. Good point. Uh, they're, they're kind of a package deal at this point. There you go. And, well, the worst case scenario, it's one more year with him and Martin. So you're not, you're taking up a roster spot for what is a what-if year at this point. If it, they prove me wrong and they don't deserve a lineup spot and they need to push them out, then at least you do. And it's just the end of the season or whatever at this point. But I really don't see that happening either for either of them. They're just too good in the dugout and they know how to lead a young team. So the, the intangibles are there. But, 100%. Yeah. So, Nothing wrong with keeping them around one more year. Yep. So now, looking at Blue Jays' you know future here, well, <laughs> um, probably not a lot going to be happening until the winter meetings when we actually do find out if they are going to have a you know non-tendered uh, rule draft pick here or anything like that. So sorry to say, Blue Jays fans, I hope you get comfy. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't imagine too much happening over the next few weeks other than maybe a roster decision tier. Although, you never know. It took them so long to settle on their 40-man. Maybe there are some moves up their sleeves in trades uh, or free agency, but it seems very unlikely at this point. Yeah. Um, we're probably more going to hear the um, rest of the coaching staff filling out. <laughs> That's about it. And maybe somebody will finally answer my question on why Pete Walker's still here, but I don't know. <laughs> And that's my argument, man. Don't bogart that. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I like Pete Walker. I have no problem with him. 
I have no problem with him either, but with the new regime change and uh, what wasn't the best of track records the last two seasons, I was just a little shocked. So Yeah, that's fair. Nothing against him, but it's one of those things is if you're going to be changing the management anyway, I'm just shocked that Montoyo's not bringing in his own guy or they're not bringing in, like, Pat Hankin had a really good run the last couple, last year with the Bison's young guys. So wasn't their pitching coach, but definitely was uh, roaming. <laughs> So, anyways, Brennan, the end of the show, man, you want to do your normal bit and what's what's happening other than the fact that you're going to be joining me here on uh, Wednesday Wallops or whatever we want to call this. <laughs> Wallop Wednesday, Wacky Wednesday, Winning Wednesday. I don't know. We're going to have to come up with some sort of clever name. I, I kind of like Winning Wednesday for the time being. Winning Wednesday with uh, with Borden and Panikar uh, could, be the, uh, could be what it is. But, hey. Winning People Wednesday would be P. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. My initials here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can, uh, I think, probably what I'll be doing next, probably not tonight, but maybe tomorrow or Thursday. Um, not sure if Jay's fans saw, but um, Connor Green with DSA Today by St. Louis, and that means both J.B. Woodman and Connor Green, who they got in two separate trades with the Cardinals for Diaz and Grichik, are both now gone from their organization, or likely to be gone from the organization. Uh, and uh, Dominic Leon was not very good last year. So, in essence, what I'm trying to say is they fleeced St. Louis on two separate <laughs> trades and had good seasons from both Diaz and Grichik for next to nothing where at the time people were complaining about losing Connor Green especially. So I saw him in XP. Yeah, I never, as a guy that watches the minor leagues, I never understood that one too much on why everybody was all up in arms about Connor Green going. Um, I think it was just because of the lack of depth in pitching more than anything. But Connor Green is a, um, honestly, I'd love to see him come back on a minor league deal as uh, well as J.B. Woodman. I honestly think he got a bad deal this year in the minor league system, and he had a really good year with the Lansing Lugnuts. I know we have some friends that would love to see him back, so... Wouldn't be the worst of things to bring back somebody like that on minor league deals, especially when you see who we are probably losing to minor league deals this season between the Harold Ramirez's and whatnot. Got to backfill some of that. Keep on adding to the depth any way possible to feed the system all the way up to the major leagues. Nothing wrong with that, especially in a year where you know in all likelihood you're not going to be competing for a playoff spot. Maybe I just want to see my Jay's Journal article from like three years ago that Connor Green is better off as a relief pitcher actually come true. <laughs> hey, I think a, a lot of people are, start, are saying that now. It'd be nice to see that finally. I agree. I will repost that with no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a shameless self-promoter and go, that's right, I called it, just like the T- Tulo trade. <laughs> do it, do it, absolutely. I called that in freaking spring training in 2015, and now everybody hates me because of it. So I'm probably going to lose listeners because of that comment, running. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, man, it's always a pleasure, and I'm glad we're going to be doing this every other week on uh, a Wednesday wobble or whatever. <laughs> whatever name we settle, it should be a good segment as long as we keep it going. Consistency is key. Too easy, man. So, cheers, everybody, Blue Jays fans. Don't forget to uh, join us back here on every other Wednesday. So I guess that's twice a month, Brendan. Yeah, Wednesday, December 5th would be the next time. Yeah. Stay tuned for Wednesday, December 5th. So you can just kick your uh, winter, Christmas, whatever holiday month off you have. 
<laughs> with us. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure we have plenty of for you here for Blue Jays contact. Tom Jaybird, Logic. Listen, listen to this for your content fix while you're doing your Christmas shopping. There you go. It's a perfect walk around. You know, we try to keep these under 30 minutes. Unfortunately, too much uh, to talk about today. We're going to hit 40 minutes here for you in about 20 seconds. So <laughs> it is what it is, Blue Jays fans. But like I said, hit us up. We're uh, always happy to talk here on Jaybird Watching at on Twitter. And don't forget, we're on pretty much anywhere you can get your possible podcast from at this point. Hit up the subscribe buttons on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, this, that, everything. I lost track. There's like 13 of them now. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, thanks again, Brenna. It's a pleasure, and I look forward to this next one. Yeah, thanks so much, Brenna. We'll talk again in two weeks. Cheers, buddy, and peace out, Blue Jays fans. See you in a week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.